Hi, church. Good to see you guys. Good morning, Wanda. Did you guys know Wanda and Bruce are here? (laughs) Did you? Oh, my gosh. That's pretty rare. Genesis and the life of Noah just struck um, as I come up the... uh, Talking about legacy, right? You know, I think sometimes we, and I, and I know I fall into this too many times, um, we spend too much time worrying about our legacy and not enough time worrying about Jesus. And uh, we, a um, guy like Noah, he, he wasn't trying to make a legacy for himself. He, he was just listening to the Word of God. He had no idea what was coming. He didn't know what was going to... He didn't know that his name was going to be written in this book that was going to be read by billions. No idea. He just knew that God told him to build an ark. Arky, arky, right? Yeah. And isn't that true for us, too, that we need to leave our legacy up to God? Whether anybody remembers our name is not of our concern. It's our concern is just Jesus. <laughs> and so this morning, I, um, I, I'm gonna, we're going to arc lessons. So, yeah, I know, kind of funny, but... Um, we're going to spend some time just looking at Genesis 7 and 8 in the sense of just, you know, what can we learn from Noah and his experience on the ark? And I'm going to kind of put this experience of Noah's on the ark in the, in the kind of in the setting or the context of living a life of faith. That how, you know, what are the things that we can learn from Noah about living a life from faith through his experiences on the ark. And, uh, and so I, I hope that this will be an encouragement to us, uh, but also that God would just speak and uh, that one of these five points, uh, he will uh, maybe kind of put his thumb in a little bit on your heart and say, how about this? So we start with ark to die for. <clears throat> it's amazing in a sense that, you know, what, Mo- what Noah invested his life in ended up for everyone else being their death. <laughs> right? I mean, Noah was willing to put his entire reputation again on the line, right? He wasn't worried about, again, his legacy. If he was worried about his legacy, then maybe he wouldn't have built the ark because everybody was telling him he was a fool. Everyone, what are you talking about? Rain? We don't even know what that is. Right? What do you, ark? What? Like all of these animals are going to show up and you're, you're the savior of the world. Come on, Noah, this, you're, this is crazy. And yet Noah invested his entire life and indeed his family into the ark. The flood was foolishness, but isn't that true? so often of the things of God. That's foolishness. The Messiah, crucified? No, no, no. The Messiah is bringing back, he's reigning, right? He's bringing back the glory days. He's not going to get crucified. 
or fast forward to today, Jesus is the only way. <laughs> Come on. Jesus is not the only. There's a bunch of ways out there to get to heaven. You know, yeah, you've got your way. I've got my way. But you, to say that Jesus is the only way, come on. Not only is that foolishness, that's actually offensive. Another one, eternal condemnation. Hell. Hell, even in the church. Hell, come on. God loves us. He's not going to send us to hell for eternal punishment. Come on. What we put our hope in, others are going to reject. That's just a reality. Some are going to be offended by it. Some are going to attack us because of it. When we choose not to live like the world lives, the world doesn't like it. And they are going to try to squelch and to squish and to push and to attack and to move us to the side and call us fools. And we have to come to that point like Noah did. Are we going to follow God or are we going to allow the world to influence how we live? Are we going to allow even our families to influence how we live? You know, I think it's interesting that, you know, where's the rest of Noah's family? Yeah, his sons and their wives and his wife made it in. But what about his brothers and sisters? You know, this is a reality too for us, especially in America, where Christianity for a long time has been the cool thing to do, and now it's not so much, but still there's a lot of people in the church that say they profess Jesus, but are they really willing to follow Jesus? And when they see other Christians around them begin to radically live their life for Christ, they begin to say, whoa, 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 that's just a little bit too much. You know, you don't have to go to Africa, or you don't have to go that far. You don't have to sacrifice that much. That's crazy. Why would you do that? Why would you pack up everything and move? Why would you, just to follow Jesus, come on, you don't have to do that. Why would you let a job go, a good paying job, maybe a promotion, in order just to continue to do what God's called you to do? That's crazy. What are you thinking? God is not asking you to give all of your money away to the poor. Why are you giving so much money to the church? Why are you, why are you stretching yourself like that? You're endangering your family. Teenagers even have parents that sometimes try to hold them back. Say, no, no, no. No, you can't be a missionary. I mean, you should, I mean, just be a pastor somewhere here, but don't go, don't go a long ways away. And why are you taking my grandkids a long ways away? What are you thinking? No, God's not calling. No, no, no. Stay here. This is what we do. This is family. Sometimes our ark is going to be offensive to other people. And what God calls us to, no one else may understand. And the question is, what voice are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to God's voice? Or are you going to listen to the world's voice? Or even this one is really challenging. Are you going to listen to that voice of doubt? You know, it's amazing how Satan can speak words of, of, of condemnation into our, into our minds. I don't know about you guys, but 
That's a wrestling match for me all the time. That little, you know, God, that, that little Satan voice, not God voice, a little Satan voice that is constantly telling me you're not enough. You shouldn't be doing this. What are you doing? That was horrible. Why'd you do that? That's dumb. Can, can we silence that voice? Can we listen to God? <laughs> Second Corinthians, let's read there a little bit. I'll get there eventually. 2.15 For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? Sometimes we are going to be called to do something that's offensive to the world around us. And to them, it will be a challenge to their way of life. But the question is, are we going to be an example of Christ no matter what that looks like to others? This is what Noah did. No matter what, even though he's getting attacked every day, he chose to not only build the ark, but to enter the ark. Our ark could very well be deeply offensive or foolish to others. Next, we have arc waves. <laughs> arc waves. Waves are, uh, you, know, you know, depending, I mean, this is a big boat, right? You think about the arc, you know, it's like, you know, like 500 feet long or whatever. It's a pretty huge boat, right? And, you know, it's understood that, you know, the bigger the boat, usually the bigger the wakes, right? So it's about displacement, right? You know, and so imagine the, the wake that this boat had, right? And it is amazing to consider that, uh, that the wake of the blessing that Noah received by being uh, obedient to Jesus, as he was willing to get on this boat and willing to risk everything, willing to be foolish and to go on the boat, just think about the blessing that came from that. Not just for his life, his life was spared, right? He became the father of all humanity, right? In a sense, the second father from Adam, right? And, and so that's amazing. And then, right, we have this amazing fact that all of the, the animals that were saved on the boat. So, I mean, life itself was preserved because Noah was willing to follow God, willing to do the foolish thing. And we see this amazing blessing, but we have to recognize that the wakes of blessing from Noah are still having their impact even to this day, right? That we all are here, that the church exists, that Jesus and his salvation work and all that he did, and we are continuing to, to, to be and get to experience the blessings because of Noah's choice to follow Jesus. And this is a reality. When we live and walk a life of faith, there are blessings that we receive. But they're not just for us. They also bless others. As we choose to live our life for God, others get blessed around us. I love the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that talks about the believing husband or the believing wife staying with an unbelieving spouse because they will bless that unbelieving spouse because of their faith and their children. 
amazing the blessing wake that comes when we choose to follow God. But that's also true in our entire lives. Those around us, whether they believe in Jesus or not, will be blessed by our life to follow Jesus. And so we do so uh, with that in mind, recognizing that God is going to continue to bless others as he blesses us. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, it's the prayer, right? Jesus gives us the, uh, the our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we do God's will on earth, his kingdom comes. And those in our sphere get blessed by God's kingdom coming. We should expect not only to receive blessing from the Lord, but that that blessing will leave awake. That when we enter our day with the right perspective, our eyes focused on Jesus, then we will interact with people throughout the day in a way that's loving and honoring and respectful, and that could change that person's life, whether they believe in Jesus or not. I mean, how many of us have experienced that? You go to a grocery store and you just bless the person who's checking out your groceries by being gracious to them, even though the line is long. I know uh, Carol Knott has told me many times of her stories of how she just loves to do that. She goes to a store and she just sits there and she just blesses that person the whole time, just giving them encouraging words the whole time, no matter what's going on. She just wants to honor them and respect them and encourage them. And so many people are blessed because Jesus has blessed her. Are we doing that? Are we, are we allowing God to bless others through us? Are we allowing that wake to reverberate out? When we get our eyes right, when we get our focus right, then we're going to live our life differently. And when trouble comes, when trials come, when things are difficult, or even when things are good, we're going to speak differently. And as we encourage others, they will be encouraged and then maybe someday they'll even ask us, hey, you know what? You're always just so good to me and so nice. Why is that? Well, it might be because I got a guy named Jesus on my side. Now, it's true that many are impacted by the blessings that we receive, but we need to also understand that sometimes those who have been impacted by the blessing that we've received through Jesus will not embrace that blessing. Some will walk away from it. Again, Noah's family, they didn't get in the ark with Noah. Yeah, he had his sons and his wife, but many of them around us will reject that blessing. Also, to remember this important piece, never to take credit and never take blame for how somebody else responds to the blessing. Both of those things land right in the middle of pride. And then we're getting our eyes off of Jesus. We're looking at ourselves, thinking that we're the one that's blessing everyone, <laughs> thinking that we have control and power over other people. And then we begin to doubt when that doesn't work, maybe, or if it continues to work, we get bloated and think, oh man, I'm so amazing. All right, so ark wakes. The bigger the blessing, the bigger the wake, the bigger the impact. Third, uh, have you ever thought about this? Um, when do you think Noah finally realized that there was not a rudder on the ark? Right? 
You ever think about that? Like, is it after he gets in the boat, right? And, and maybe he goes kind of like, you know, oh, here comes the water. It's raining. Okay. Uh, oh, um, yeah. How do I run this thing? How do I turn this thing? How do I, how do I control this thing, right? There's no rudder on the ark. <laughs> what are we going to do with that, right? Do you, does, did Noah was totally at the mercy of God. He had no control of where things were going to go, right? You know, you think about this a little bit, right? So like Noah, first of all, God gives him like some very concrete things to do. And he's got a little bit of control over it, right? Build the ark. All right. Do it with gopher work. Man, I really don't, not like gopher wood around here. Maybe I'm going to get something different. No, I mean, right? He could have chose, right? But he didn't. He chose what God gave him to do, right? But he had at least something to do. He's working on building up this ark. He's like, okay, yeah, we're going to save the world through this ark maybe a little bit, right? But then once it gets in the ark, oh, yeah, what do I do now? I mean, not that he's got some animals to take care of, right? But he can't control it anymore. He's totally out of control. The waters come and he can't directs where they're headed. He has no idea what's next. No matter what happened, he was at the mercy of God and the waves. And this is again the life of faith. Consider John chapter 3. <laughs> kind of a parallel passage certainly to this sense that uh, we are out of control. John 3 verse 8 The wind blows, Jesus says, wherever it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The life of faith requires a loss of control. A life of faith requires a loss of control. We have to let our life go. We've got to stop trying to direct every step. It's not that we don't have a work to do. It's not that we don't have stuff to accomplish and be a part of. But we've got to let go of our future. The Spirit directs as He determines. And if you've been following the Spirit for any time, for any time at all, you will notice that it is often illogical where he leads, and it is often countercultural. So what we think from a, a cultural mindset, as that, well, that's the logical next step. The Spirit says, eh, I got some different things for you. And so we have to constantly be recognizing that the life of faith is one that we lose control that we don't use our best thinking all the time just to decide. That's not that we don't good, use good thinking. We should use good thinking. But ultimately, we need to hear the Spirit of the Lord speak and then follow. And not just, you know, do what things, oh, that's, that's a good thing. Now, God can use that, and we've made many decisions in our lives that are just good things. And God is amazing. He will use it. But may we always be going to him and saying, okay, God, this seems like a normal thing to do. This is what I should do. But are you in it? Is this what you want me to do? And listen to the Spirit. Be open to the Spirit. We need to resist the urge to control and to second guess his direction. And we need to enjoy the ride. This, this has been the amazing thing to me that he has proven himself to be faithful. 
If I just give it up and say, God, I don't know what's happening tomorrow. I've got my plans, but I have no idea. What are your plans? So I sit down sometimes before a sermon. <laughs> Music's going, we get to the last song, and all of a sudden I sometimes say, okay, God, I got my plans, but what are your plans today? Right? Are we living that way? Right? Are, we, are we constantly kind of with this sense that you know, it's amazing what God can do if we just let Him be in control? Have you seen amazing things in your life? Do you have the testimonies of that time when you did the crazy thing because you just felt like the Spirit said do that and then saw what He did? Right? I mean, this is the, if you've never experienced that, let me encourage you. Let go. Listen. He will speak. He will direct you. He will lead you. And then enjoy it. If you have experienced that, then why are you hesitant now? See, this is the thing. When I was a kid, was a teenager, I was fired up to do whatever Jesus, anywhere. Let's go. Yee-hoo! But as I got older and older, that was harder to do because I had more and more around me. I got a wife. I got kids. I got stuff going on, right? I got a job. I got, you know, things I got. I got responsibilities, Right? And so we, as we get older, we need to continue to come back to this reality that we've got to let the Spirit be in control. Let's not worry about our retirement. Let Him worry about that. Again, Matthew in the, uh, yeah, Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, right? I mean, He takes care of the birds of the air. You think He could take care of us? He takes care of the, we, you know, the weeds in the field, basically. They're beautiful. You think He can take care of us? But we, you know, again, our American mindset, I've got to have it all laid out. I've got to have control. I've got to make sure I do it my way. Do it the way the world tells me to do it. Again, that doesn't mean that having a retirement is not a good thing. But I just, we need to continue to allow God to direct us. And it gets harder sometimes as we get older, even though it should get easier because we have more experiences, right? Matter of fact, I'd say if it's been a while since you've had, well, let's say, if, if the last testimony that you can give of God calling you to do something crazy and then seeing how he blessed you in the midst of that, if the last story that you have to tell about that was five years or more, are you listening? (laughs) We need to trust God's direction. We need to trust God's pace. He's always moving at the perfect speed. Our world tells us to run really fast. He's always moving at the perfect speed. The one fully surrendered to the spiritual currents will always be exactly where they need to be and they'll always be doing exactly what they should be doing. All right, next, the Ark of Silence. Um, maybe this is a bit of an extrapolation out of the, the, this uh, story of Noah. But he's on the Ark for 10 months. And in that 10 months, well, he's on the Ark for a little bit longer now, but more than a year, year-ish. But anyway, in that 10 months that he's on the Ark, first 10 months in the Ark, it records no words from God to Noah. 
Now, maybe he was talking to him. I don't know what, what that is going on there. But I, I just want to use that as, as an opportunity for us to, again, another life, I think, lesson, an arc lesson, if you will, about the life of faith. In the midst of this storm, God is silent in the life of Noah. And it's a bit striking because in the story, you know, God is telling him, talking to him, you know, build the ark. This is how exactly to build it. And then when uh, then he builds it, then he's like, okay, now, Noah, you need to get all the animals in the ark. And, and then, Noah, okay, now you need to get your family in the ark. And then once they're in the ark, God comes and he actually closes the door of the ark for Noah. Maybe it was really heavy. I don't know. But anyway. So we have all of this back to back to back where God seems to be like very interactive, very communicating, and then all of a sudden, boom, the waters come on and silence. Have you experienced silence in your relationship with God? The life of faith sometimes includes God being silent. Some have described it as uh, the dark night of the soul. I personally experienced this actually in my younger years and had no terminology for it, didn't really know what it was. But it lasted about three years for me. After feeling like I had this relationship with God where he was constantly communicating and just kind of back and forth. And then all of a sudden, it was like three years where I felt like he was just silent. Job also experienced some silence too, right? And he keeps crying out to, to God over and over again, where are you, God? What are you doing? Here I am. Come on, I want, I want, a, I want an audience with you. Let's talk. And God remained silent until the very end. The typical questions, if you've experienced silence, the typical questions that come up during a time of silence are things like, what did I do wrong? We cry out, God, where are you? What did I do wrong? Why have you left me? Why are you not here? Why are you not speaking? What is going on? The dark night of the soul is a difficult season to endure. But I would suggest that the what did I do wrong and the where is God questions are the wrong questions to be asking. It seems to me the questions are actually questions asked of us. Do we really trust God? What is our faith based on? The right question is, Will we remain faithful? (laughs) The way I've come to, I think, understand the dark night of the soul is simply this, that God often draws us closer by being silent. Right? You know, the whisper, right? God's whispering to us, right? The idea of whisper, right, is you have to lean in. The idea of silence is even more so to just rest. I think also sometimes God uses the dark night of the soul as a way to get us to listen 
differently. I think sometimes we can get zeroed in on one way that God speaks. And so he actually sometimes is actually talking. He's speaking, but he's, using, he's speaking a different way. <laughs> and we need to develop an ear for that other way of speaking. But do we trust him? I mean, how many of us, I've been there, I do this as well. Our first reaction is, oh man, I knew it. I knew he was going to bail on me. Here things get really tough. Look at the water's coming in. I've got no rudder in the boat. I can't control where I'm going. And now you're silent. See, you just set this all up. It's just, you're just trying to destroy me. Right? Don't we do that? God goes silent or God does something different and we, we can immediately just like start to just cast stuff, blame and ugly stuff at God. And we quickly just run the other way. Now, while we wait in the time of the dark night of the soul, we should keep doing the things that we know we should do. Keep going to church. Keep fellowshipping with believers. Keep doing your time of reading God's word. Keep praying. Keep doing those things. I remember for me, uh, and I don't know if this was the catalyst or the lesson that God was, you know, developing and teaching in me or, or what, but I know that near the end of my dark night of the soul, I came to a moment in prayer with the Lord that I just, I gave up. And I said, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand it. But whether you ever speak to me again, I am going to be faithful to you. And that's not because, you know, I'm great. <laughs> it's because God is great. And I think even for me to learn that means that God was speaking, <laughs> obviously. But he was speaking a different way that I hadn't been listening to. <laughs> now here's the amazing thing. I love this. <laughs> In Genesis 8, verse 1, so we're halfway through. Now God doesn't speak yet. But I love this verse, Genesis 8.1, and God remembered Noah. Noah and the ark are floating along, the world completely flooded, and God remembered Noah. I was reminded when I read that verse of the thief on the cross, <laughs> and he, his cry to Jesus Jesus, when you get into your kingdom, remember me. This is what we need to keep focused on in the midst of a dark night of the soul. That he knows our name. That he remembers us. And he will always be faithful. Moments of silence from God are not reasons for doubt and fear but for deepening our trust and intimacy with our Father. All right, finally, <laughs> stinking ark. Okay, a year on a boat with animals, a lot of animals and birds. I mean, come on, right? You got to have thought of this before, right? How stinky was that, right? Seriously, I mean, I, 
I mean, I know what I smell like after a day, right? I mean, all those animals and people and I, oh my gosh, right? A year on that thing? Oh gosh, it had to stink really, really bad. Uh, now, now I, I, I grew up kind of in dairy country. I was not a dairy farmer. My family were not dairy farmers, but I grew up in dairy country. And so I like, because of that, I learned to love the smell of cow manure. Okay, I'm sorry, it's just true, okay? Um, <laughs> And so whenever I smell cow manure, I'm like, yes, right? Ah, I'm excited about that, right? I must be close to home or something, right? Just make, it just, I don't know, it just has this feel to it that just feels right. Now, there's some, I will say, there are some cow manure that is just kind of, no, it's, it's, it's a little too ripe, right? It's the fresh stuff that's nice. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but the ark had to have been pretty bad, right? I mean, I couldn't imagine being in there. I would have been probably kind of going, ah! This is not good anymore. I want out of there. And, uh, and then the boat lands in this time, and there must have been some fear in Noah of the unknown, right? Think about this, right? I mean, he's on the boat for a year. He has no control over where the boat's going. He doesn't know what's going on. And then the boat hits land. He's like, oh, okay, well, we stopped floating. That's good. Uh, I suppose maybe there's something going on. But he has no idea what is the world's going to be like. He doesn't know where he's at. He doesn't know what that's going to like. He doesn't know, you know, is he going to be in this, you know, water world for the rest of his life? What? Right? He has no clue. And so what does he do? He sends out a dove a couple of times, right? Until the dove doesn't come back. And then God says, hey, open the door. So he opens the door and then God says, all right, come on, let's go. So the question here and the, and the, re, the connection is that the life of faith requires change. We can really sometimes like the rhythms that we get in the longer we're a Christian. And, and they're good rhythms, right? You know, we get up in the morning, we have our cup of coffee. I love coffee. It's so good. Coffee and then a little bit of Jesus, or a lot of bit of Jesus, right? A little bit of coffee, a lot of bit of Jesus. I always get that mixed up. Anyway, so... Um, you have, you know, your morning kind of, you know, brew. You have your time with Jesus. You, you kind of you start your day that way. Every day just feels good. You know, you have your devotions that you do every week and, and, and every day. You know, it's like that daily bread, yeah, or whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, you have your Sunday, you know, week kind of thing. You got your ministry that you're involved in. You got your stuff. You just got to get in this rhythm, and it feels really good and really comfortable. And sometimes because we go nose blind, we don't recognize that our spiritual life stink because we haven't done anything different for a while after being on the ark for a year I'm sure he had a rhythm of kind of how to do this and what was like but Noah didn't stay on the ark I thought it was interesting too in this story that you know God closes the door but Noah has to open the door to the ark. God doesn't push Noah out of the ark. Noah has to choose that. And I think for us in our life of faith, we, we need to recognize that change is, change is a good thing. We love rhythm. We love to have that kind of just the everyday schedule. And that's not a bad thing necessarily. But we need to be careful with allowing that to dominate our spiritual life. Again, we are following a spirit who he blows wherever he wills. And so we as Christians must recognize that if we are following the spirit, listening to the spirit, then our life should get disrupted on a fair amount. 
that our rhythms shouldn't have to change. And this is the beauty thing, you know, the beautiful thing. Change is good. Change is how God continues to develop us. You know, we can praise the Lord that God is unchanging. But the reason he's part of the reason he's unchanging is because he's perfect. There's nothing to get better, right? He can't get better. But we, we got some work to do, right? So change is a gift. And so we need to let go of the rhythms, and we need to sometimes, do you ever let out a dove? In your spiritual life. Do you ever let a dove go into sea? You know, the sea's changing. Is there new land for me to go populate? Do you ever open the door and say, all right, door's open, God, you, you got somewhere new for me to step? A new place to go? See, in our Christian lives, we can get just, we just leave the door closed. We just, we love the ark. Yeah, it kind of starting to get a little smelly, but you know, after a while, you just don't really notice it. And we think this is great. Look at what I'm doing. I am such a great Christian. I mean, I've got all of these rhythms taken care of. I'm doing all the right things. The amazing thing is, is that the life, I think, is oftentimes the, the, the life of the most mature Christian is the one that doesn't look very mature sometimes because it's just so messed up. Because they're trying new things. God's stretching them and bringing them to somewhere new and they make mistakes. They're not afraid of failing. This is the life of freedom that we can have, that our sin no longer keeps us, keeps us from God. And so we can freely make choices that, and mess up. Right? I, I can sin and go, oh, dang, I sinned again. That's right, though, because God loves me. And I don't have to stop there. I don't have to go, oh, oh, I don't want to sin. Oh, I got to be careful. I'll just stay in my ark because I know how to live right here. This is righteous. I know what to do. I know how to t- treat everybody. I know how to live my life so that it's really holy and perfect and looks good to everybody. No, let's get out there because God has other people that he wants to bless through us. There's other opportunities that are out there foolishness for us to do if we're willing if we're open does your ark stink ask around (laughs) often other people smell it before we do (laughs) Uh, always looking always looking for and being willing to change is the best way to keep our spiritual life from becoming stagnant and sticky. Stinky. And sticky. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right. Uh, worship team, why don't you come up? We're going we're gonna to transition from stinky arcs to communion. Beautiful thing. Oh, but I got to read this. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I forgot to read this amazing passage. So we're going to read it because we can Philippians 3, (laughs) I love Paul. Philippians 3, verse 14 and 15. I press on, Paul says, toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That those of us who are mature, this is not the right passage. (laughs) Darn it. But we press on. But we press on. I press on toward the goal. We do press on. Oh, that's 12 and 
12. I started in 12. That's where it's good. Okay, sorry. Not that I have already obtained this. See, Paul's saying, like, I have not already obtained it. Sometimes we can think that in our spiritual life, we've already got it. We're already there. I've arrived. Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So this is the life that we live of faith, right? To continue to get better. Paul was continuing looking and striving to get better. And so we do that as well. All right. Communion. (laughs) God is good. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing to think about what Jesus has done for us? And I've said this before, and I know many of you believe this and have experienced this as well, and, but it, the older we get, the more time we live with Jesus, the more we're just amazed at his grace. Um, as we recognize our weakness and our sin and how undeserving we are of any of it, And, and that goes beyond just our Christian life. I think it's all, our whole life, right? I mean, everything begins to become more and more like, wow, I'm really messed up. But Jesus loves me. The life of faith that we're called to live is one that's already been lived by Jesus. And so this is why we keep our eyes on him. It's because he's already lived that. And so we remember this morning what he did, how he was willing to do something crazy, (laughs) go to the cross for us. And we reap the amazing blessings that have come down through the generations, that wake of blessing from Jesus' death on the cross. we give up control like Jesus did. Allowed himself to be stripped, hung on a cross. And God was silent with him on the cross too. His words, God, why have you forsaken me? He's willing to change. Are you willing to follow Jesus into all of that? John chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And as Moses was lifted, as, as, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for sending your son, and thank you, Jesus, for willingly coming and giving your life to for us 
And Lord, thank you as well for the Holy Spirit who comes and dwells in us and helps us to know what is true, helps us to see Jesus' face, helps us to experience and enjoy the blessings that come and continues to direct us. And his ways are always perfect. Help us to do that and do it well. Lord, as we partake of this wafer this morning, we remember Jesus' sacrifice. And Lord, once again, we pledge to live like he lived, that you would be glorified and that we would be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take together. Heavenly Father, we thank you as well for the poured out blood of Jesus. Lord, I cannot understand why you're willing to forgive my sin. I can't imagine the love that you have for me. It is so undeserved. But I thank you and worship you because you do love me. And you have made a way me to avoid the punishment that I deserve and get to spend an eternity that begins even today in your presence. Lord, I thank you that Jesus came and was that sacrifice for me. And in view of his amazing mercy, his amazing grace, I offer my body to you as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable as my spiritual act of worship. May you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take it together. All right, church, let's stand. I've got a song to to sing here, and then I'll come back up in the closing passage. Lord, it's the cry of our heart. Our cry of our heart is for you to take our life. Let it be consecrated to you, Lord, that you would have your way in us. Lord, it is the cry of our heart. Help us. We struggle. We get tempted and influenced by this world. We doubt and we, uh, we are weak. We need you. So please help us hear our cry and come and respond to us. Lord, help us to live the life of faith that you've designed for us the life of freedom that you want for us, that you would be glorified in all that we do, in all that we say. Thank you for your amazing and abundant grace. And thank you for the fact that you hear these prayers and that you do answer them. Help us to see those answers. Help us to hear your spirit. Give us the courage to follow wherever you lead. Galatians 5, verse 16 and following, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but 
fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless the church.